Hello and a very warm welcome to your Actis Health Podcast, where every week we dive into the EU health policy and bring you the latest health news from Europe. I'm Gerardo Fortuna, and in this episode we'll be talking about the European health data space, but Stay with us till the end as your active health journalist Gidre Pesetskite will keep you up to date on all other important health news in the EU. So our focus this week is on something that, uh, when presented by the Commission, has been described as a milestone for the EU's digital transformation and a real revolution in the European medical history. I'm referring, of course, to the European Health Data Space, which was unveiled by the Commission last May, and now it's uh, handled by the EU lawmakers, so uh, the EU ministers and the MEPs, who need to find an agreement on some common amendments to the Commission's proposal. Uh, In a nutshell, this policy aims to regulate the transmission and sharing of health data across the EU for uh, private individuals, uh, researchers, and of course, policymakers. With me, I have a very distinguished guest to talk about European health data space. Uh, he is the rapporteur for the European Parliament's Environment and Health Committee uh, on this topic. Is uh, the Croatian centre-right MEP Tomislav Sokol. Mr. Sokol, you organized this event at the Parliament. Uh, there was a packed room and uh, two commissioners. One of them, uh, um, uh, Vice President Margaret Kinas, made a reference to roaming, the impact that uh, um, the European health that space could have. It's uh, a bit like the one that roaming had for telecommunication. Do you share the view that uh, this will be as disruptive as this important uh, this proposal, the, the roaming one? I think so, yes. This uh, this is one of the few pieces of legislation that we do on European level, which will provide new added value and create something completely new when compared to what we had before. So currently the situation is that health data is not just that it's not used between different member states, it's often not used between two hospitals within the same city or between two regions within the same, same member state. So the whole idea of creating the health data space is that now this information will be able to go through. Concretely, what this means in our everyday lives, for instance, if you go for a business trip, you have some kind of an accident, you have to go to see a doctor, or maybe you are, or maybe you are in another member state for a longer period of time, as a tourist maybe, or maybe you are as a pensioner living part of the time in another member state, go to, have to go to see a doctor, maybe for dialysis, or to have some kind of a checkup or something. And in that case, the idea of the health data space is that, that the medical professionals in that member state in which you are staying will be able to access your electronic health records, immediately see what's your medical situation, uh, to see maybe if you are allergic to some medicines or something, uh, which uh, already diagnostics and treatments and uh, tests you already undertake so they don't have to repeat them. So the whole idea is that this will make uh, provision of healthcare much faster and much more efficient. You're a bit of an expert of cross-border healthcare. You, you said yourself that uh, it was actually a topic particularly dear to you. How this uh, European data space could uh, improve the situation when it comes to cross-border healthcare? I think mostly improve provision of cross-border healthcare for the so-called unplanned healthcare. Okay. So when if you uh, so you have two types of uh, cross-border healthcare. One is planned healthcare when you cannot get adequate treatment in your own home state. 
and then you ask for your authorization to go to go abroad. That's a separate issue. But for unplanned healthcare, and this is what covers the biggest number of people, so mm-hmm. people who are studying abroad, who are traveling, who are living, as I said, part-time in another member state. Maybe you have a person who is living in one member state, working in the other, in border regions. So for all of these people, this will be a real game changer because they, this will really make it possible for them to access healthcare in the member state in which they are currently staying much easier. So they will not have to return to their own member state to do tests or diagnostics, and they will be able to do uh, to pro- be provided by, with healthcare treatment in a much faster time period than, than 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 before. So I think for 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 those people, people in border regions, people who are traveling, who are studying abroad, younger people, but not just younger people, also also elderly people, for instance, who are as I said, who are maybe who are retired and uh, maybe live part uh, half a year in Germany, half a year in Spain or it, or Italy. This this is something which will, which will make provision of healthcare for them much easier, much more efficient, and much safer. And another uh, commissioner, Selakirakir, said that uh, this uh, proposal is not a one-size-fits-all, but it's more like introducing standards. What's your take on introducing standards uh, uh, when it comes to European healthcare space? I think the European Union is actually based on creating common standards. But what is important is uh, is that we already have in many member states some kind of digital systems, systems of use of data, electronic health records in different shapes or forms, and we do not want to create something new from scratch and and put all of this aside. Because if we already have existing systems, it's much better to inc- incorporate them in the health data space to include them than, than to destroy them and, and try to create something completely new. So the idea is that, that, that these different national systems when they adapt to common standards can be incorporated into the health, health data space and that uh, and also but that also they can be adapted towards uh, to specific national contexts because healthcare is still a primary national issue a national competence and the complete harmonization of everything is impossible but create so that is impossible but creating common standards common protocols so the data can be interoperable can be exchanged definitely is But what I also think is important is the so-called spillover effect. Mm-hmm. Because if, if data is interoperable and can be exchanged between two member states, then of course it will also become possible to, to use this data and exchange it also within, within, for instance, regions in the federal country, like Germany, for instance. In Germany, you know that federal states have, are primarily responsible for healthcare. Often they themselves have different standards, different protocols, different ways on how to use health data. By creating this system on the European level, of course, it will become possible to exchange data also within the member states which, st- which currently face problems there. One of the thorniest issues is, uh, of course, the secondary use of data. Uh, what's the situation? Uh, I, I mean, you already presented your uh, report. What's the discussion at the moment in the European Parliament uh, when it comes to the secondary use of data? So we need investments and we need research. So I think that's the starting point. So if, if you, especially if you want to create Europe which is resilient, which will be prepared for future crises, when maybe again there will be closures of borders, etc. When maybe again we will have disruption of supply chains. The whole idea is to, to try to bring as many uh, investments into research, innovation and also production to Europe. If we want to do that, we need both public funded basic research done by universities and institutes, for instance, but also the, the commercialized research which and, and innovation is provided by the industry. So we need both. We need publicly funded research, but also privately funded research from the industry, and we need their investments to be centered in Europe. And I think for the future, if we want to, be, if we want to have this strategic autonomy that everybody talks about so often, this is crucial. So if we want to, but if we want to, to, to bring investments to Europe in the area of healthcare, 
uh, then we need then we, we need also strong role for the industry. We need the possibility for them to access data from across the European Union. And this is the secondary use, but we also need a st very strong uh, provisions on the protection of intellectual property rights. So, and this, uh, but I believe, knowing the situation in the Parliament, this will probably be the most sensitive issue that we will be dealing with during the negotiations. The first draft proposal is pretty neutral on that, mm -hmm. but we expect uh, uh, additional amendments that that will create the starting point for very uh, rigid discussion. <laughs> this is more of a curiosity. It's quite a, of a a hybrid topic in the sense that uh, uh, at the table there are not just health stakeholders, there are also software developers, uh, uh, tech companies and so on. Uh, how's the, and also it's, uh, there's, a, there's another committee, there's the Libe committee working together with you. How you can put together these different interests? We, we have Libe committee of civil liberties as the co-lead committee, mm -hmm. so we have two lead committees, so we are working jointly. First draft report was made together by me and my uh, co-rapporteur from Libe. Of course, with them, the crucial question is how to balance on one side the need to facilitate the use of data, on the other hand, to protect privacy. Of course, on that, uh, on that, I think we have pretty strong provisions in the, now in the in the first draft report. We have a lot of references to GDPR, mm -hmm. so GDPR will still be uh, be applicable. But of course, we will also have to make sure that the rules are much clearer mm -hmm. than than they have been up until now, because you know that GDPR is, is differently implemented and interpreted in different member states, and this different interpretation is one of the big problems. So what? So we will try to try to kind of uh, more unify this implementation and the application of GDPR and, and of course to make all of this fit together and to strike this balance between the use of data on one side and, uh, and the privacy protection on the other. Of course, I speak of the other committees who, who are in charge of giving their opinion, like the Internal Market Committee, which I'm also the member of, okay. and the ITER Committee, which is Committee for Research. Uh, I think their points of view are very important. For instance, I speak of internal market, obviously, this is clearly a market issue. One of the legal bases for this proposal is internal market legal basis. And, uh, but I think the most important uh, uh, dimension related to internal market is the opening up of, the, of, of this market when compared to the situation that we have now. So we don't want to have national monopolies on software and on systems on how to use data or heaven forbid some kind of a common European monopoly. This is why we are, we are not creating one size fits all system, one giant database, but we want to have this flexibility so that different players can, can enter this market of different health applications, of different, of di different digital solutions of how to use data and to really open the, open the European market and to have stronger competition there, also for European countries. So I think this dimension is also very important. It's not mentioned that often. And two very last questions. Uh, the first one is on the budget. Do you think uh, the one provided uh, uh, with, uh, by the Commission is enough? And what are the next steps and the timing for the approval of the amendments from the European Parliament? On the budget, no, clearly not. So we already have in the draft report uh, the call that uh, to have stronger centralized funding from EU level. Uh, to include this, for instance, uh, during the revision of the MFF, mm -hmm. uh, because we think that uh, that what it's currently proposed is not enough. We have to be, build strong infrastructure. We have to implement this as soon as possible, not to water it down. And for that, uh, the current sources of funding are just not enough. So the EU for Health program is already stretched on other issues related to European Health Union. That's definitely not enough. National recovery and resilience plans, which are mentioned by the Commission, uh, were made before the EHDS proposal, so member states could not already plan the fund spending from that from that uh, position 
on EHDS. So definitely we need more stronger funding from centralized level, and we will definitely push for that. Also, one important area that I forgot to mention is stronger patient mm-hmm. uh, patient involvement. Uh, so uh, for that, we propose an opt-out mechanism for secondary use of data, so that patients who don't want their data to be used for research innovation can decide to opt out. We think mm-hmm. that is important. And we also provide for a strong involvement of stakeholders within the government structures like the HDS group. So excluding the patient organization. So we think that is also something which is very important to put patients in the center of the whole process. On the timeline, so the timeline for uh, the amendments uh, by the political groups, by the shadow rapporteurs, is 23rd of March. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, we start the negotiations. I will do whatever we can to finish the negotiations by summer and to have at least the vote in the committee before summer, and then to have the vote uh, in the plenary at the latest in September. This is knowing how the this is very ambitious knowing how the parliament works. Mm-hmm. But if we want to, uh, if we want to do this, we want to finish this file before elections during this parliament's term and during this commission's term, I think we really have to finish by the end of this year. If you're enjoying listening to your Actives Health podcast, a friendly reminder that you can subscribe to our newsletter that comes out every Wednesday, the same weekday as our podcast. So we'll make sure to keep you up to date to the main EU health news. And don't forget to check other Euroactive's podcasts such as AgriFood Brief, Tech Brief and Beyond the Byline. And you can listen to us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. And this week, keep an eye out for the news coming from the parliament as the lawmakers are keeping us busy with health policy debate, starting from COVID-19 to fluorinated greenhouse gases. Just to go through the agenda real quickly. So on Tuesday, when we are recording the podcast, actually, COVID Committee is having an exchange of views with the Commissioner for International Partnerships and the Commissioner for Trade. And on Wednesday's agenda, there is a draft report coming, COVID-19 pandemic lessons learned and recommendations for the future. When it comes to Health Committee, Envy Committee, on Wednesday, they will be discussing fluorinated greenhouse gases, also maybe better known as F-gases. And on Thursday's agenda, there is European health data space. Also on the same day, they will exchange views with the Commission on the future revision of the REACH regulations and the implementation of the Beating Cancer Plan and of the Non-Communicable Diseases Initiative. Finally, on Friday, Health Committee will be looking at regulation of substances on human origin known as SOHO. And it's also worth to check uh, FEM Committee, Women's Rights and Gender Equality Committee, as on Tuesday, actually, while I'm recording the podcast, they are having exchange of views with the Swedish presidency on the EU accession to the Istanbul Convention. And also on Tuesday's agenda, there is a debate on combating violence against women and domestic violence. That is all from us for today. Thank you so much for listening. We also want to hear from you. So if you have anything to tell us, please don't hesitate to drop us a line. Our email address is podcast at uraktiv.com or contact us on Twitter or LinkedIn. And this episode was brought to you thanks to our multimedia team. So special thanks to them and the one and only Jonas Hellebuck. Until next Wednesday and stay healthy. Bye.